This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Green and White, the weekly Argar Life podcast. This podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher, so please follow and subscribe on those platforms to keep up to date with new episodes. With us this week to discuss the latest on all things Argyle, we have Sam Down. Hello. And we have Adam Price. Hello. A win, finally a win, first this month. Um, not, <laughs> Not in the most... Exceptional of circumstances, but we'll go straight to our match analyst, Adam Price. Adam, your thoughts? I think we need to look at the substitutions and the way the game changed in the second half. For 60 minutes, it appeared to be much like the Bradford game. Two fairly poor teams at this level, slugging it out. And against Bradford, we had who would make the most mistakes. Against Rochdale, we had we're both kind of cancelling each other out. Gets to 60 minutes, we see the introduction of Taylor. Gets to about 65 or so minutes, we see the introduction of Ness. Very suddenly, we've got a system and a clear plan from Derek Adams to press the Rochdale defence. Now, we knew going into the game that Keith Hill likes to have his team play out from the back, and I perhaps questioned why this wasn't the case from the start, but he noticed it, Adams noticed it, and he got the changes and the right players on the pitch to exploit what could be a potential weakness with that defence press. So... I praise him for that. Of course, afterwards, we got our goal. They got their goal. Then, obviously, we need to touch on the absolute calamity that was our winning goal. Admittedly, the major factor, obviously, is that the goalkeepers absolutely made a meal of his clearance. But that doesn't happen if the Argyle midfield and front line aren't pressing the defence. I think particularly Jamie Ness, Joel Grant and Ryan Taylor press on the off chance that, you know, these mistakes happen. I think we had a couple of mistakes in there. I think Rafferty's clearance was poor. I couldn't tell from my angle. I, I can only assume his clearance deflected off Jamie Ness. Yeah, I think yeah, it did, yeah. 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 So we had that, and we also had Ryan Taylor closing down Josh Lins, the goalkeeper, before he uh, oh, attempted to kick it. So that goal doesn't happen if we don't press. So I think, you know, it's a fortunate win, but at the same time, I'm very ready to criticise Adams when he gets it wrong, and he got it right for the last half hour on this occasion, so well done to him. And let's hope now he's seen that and realises that that team works, and he plays something similar at the weekend and going forward. 
Yes, um, I, I think I'm maybe a little bit harsh on the first hour. I thought we were okay. We had quite a few decent enough chances. Um, but again, I think, as I've said in previous weeks, the problem with the uh, 4-2-3-1 as opposed to the um, 4-3-2-1, the problem isn't so much that we don't create chances. We still can definitely create chances in the 4-2-3-1. It's that we don't control the game as much. We did certainly create chances. We had Jeff Cott had that one chance and he created another one for Kerry. He had a good game, to be fair, Jeff Cott on his debut. He... Um, Stepped in very well. We did still create chances in in the in the um, other formation. We, you're I saying we created chances, again. Sam. Mm-hmm. Hang on, you're saying you created chances. Well, I mean, I'd dispute that. You look at what we did. I, I wouldn't call Jeff Cotts a chance. It's a shot on the half volley from a very narrow angle. That's that's not really a chance. That takes a very good finish to score. I'm not talking like you know he is sort of centre of goal with the ball at his feet. It was a first time effort on the volley using the instep of his foot. I, you know, that's not so much a chance. And when you look at it, you talk about the chances created. In the first half, aside from that one good chance made for Carey, where he had to take it first, I think it was first time under pressure and put it wide, what did we create? We had a couple of half chances that were closed down and blocked, and we had some efforts from corners. We had that Sawyer volley that went narrowly wide. Jeff Cotts was a rebound from a corner. I mean, basically, after that five minutes, that's, Argyle that's created few, one chance it? for the rest you, of the half. You... You've named quite a few there, though, haven't you, to be fair? No, but, uh, no, no I haven't. I've ne- Jeff Cott's one. That was one. Sawyer's one. And, and, and Kerry's one. Three. three. So that, well, three ain't bad for one uh, Yeah, but they weren't good chances. I mean, Sawyer takes a fantastic volley or a bit of luck to score from that. That's that's not a chance yeah. so much. That's, yeah, it's, again, Fair it's point. opportunistic. Well, I wouldn't say we were creating chances. You compare it to some of the, compare it to some of the chances we created against Fleetwood or... I mean, even the the goals we scored against Bradford, those were good chances. These these weren't so much. Yeah, they were they were they weren't great chances, but I don't, I don't think we were playing badly. I think we kind of we we were knocking it about okay. We weren't playing great. We weren't playing terribly. But what I will agree is that we did get um, a lot better after the um, formation change. Um, bringing this on for Ladapo, I was talking to a friend at the, at the time who said that was a bit of a negative sub. And I said, oh, I don't think it is a negative sub because it, it brings us back to our best shape, and it, and it certainly turned out that way. We got the, we got our first goal, uh, and I was very smug. Then they got their equaliser, and I wasn't quite so smug. And then we got our winner, and I was back being smug again. So, which although as Adam said, was let's be honest, you 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 have a goal like that go your way maybe once every four or five seasons, but it still was helped by Ness and Taylor both pressing well, and they were the two players who came off the bench. So can't fault it. And you say that, but I mean, every four or five seasons. I know Adam in particular in his match analysis picked up not the first time this happened, is it, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at Ryan Donaldson against Colchester a yeah, couple of true. years ago. You know, it's a it's a very rare thing, I agree, mm. but it, it doesn't happen if mm. your players aren't opportunistic and go for it. Yeah. And as you say, neither of the go- those goals would have happened if we weren't pressing the goalkeeper in both circumstances. It is yeah. very good pressing, and I think, I mean, it's still more likely than anything that if he connects with it, he clears it, but Taylor is close enough that, I don't know, maybe one in four, one in five times that hits him, and if that hits mm. him, there's a pretty fair chance it's going to rebound in. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think it was good pressing. You say the formation. W- was it really a formation change when I watched it? More often than not, Ness was sat alongside Fox, and Sarsovic was in that advanced position. I think it was the same formation just a bit of um musical chairs musical formations let's call it musical positions so <laughs> Sarsvich moved forward into that center attacking mid role carry out into Jeffcott's role and Ness came on in the defensive mid role um, it was it was it was fluid enough but it was um 
Starsevich certainly offered offered a bit more defensively than I, than I think he did when he was playing in a pure uh, ACM role. It was a bit fluid, of course, like 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 all formations are. Adam, you're our analyst. What did you think it was uh, after the snub? Well, I kind of agree with both points of view. I think the formation itself was the same, but I think the players involved in it allowed it to be more fluid. I look particularly mm. at Taylor up front and the fact that his inclusion allows the players around him to get into different positions that they wouldn't be able to beforehand. So a similar setup, if you will, but a more fluid formation. Yeah. So yeah, I've got I've got my foot in both camps. You look at the two best chances that Argyle created, and that was the goal... And and then um, Carey's late chance, right foot, well saved. Yeah. Both of them, Taylor flick on. Taylor involved, lays it off, and then Argyle are going forward. Sarsovic, you look at that first goal, Sarsovic is breaking the lines, but he's not only breaking the lines, he's moving into the space that, um, oh, I can't remember, Delaney, I think, I think the centre-back's called Delaney, into the space that Delaney vacated to press up against Taylor from that knockdown. So Taylor just knocking that around the corner, and Sarsovic is charging into an empty gap that, you know, the right centre-back, McGahey, and the uh, left-back, Matt Dunn, have, you know, they have to converge in, and he's just got the time and space to drive straight through it. It's good uh, play by Joel Grant, picking up on what Sam um, mentioned last week and wrote about last week, uh, how he's playing that more central role. Um, I can't tell if it's going in or not, but he's definitely there to finish off. It's yeah, it's good play again for that carry chance. Taylor with the flick on into Sarsovich, drawing a centred back out of position, and all of a sudden Sarsovich is driving into space. You know, demonstrate. I mean, you do, you don't necessarily need that your striker to be a goal scorer in order to score goals. Argyle looked more dangerous with Taylor on linking things up and bringing more people into play than one. Yeah. And I think I've got to, you've got to say the, the argument has always been, OK, even if Taylor is better generally, now isn't the time to drop Ladapa. That's always been the counter argument because he's mm. in such good form. But now, now that we've brought him off and then we scored two goals, you'd have to say that that argument no longer applies. Now, if, if, if there is ever going to be a time, that's the perfect opportunity presented, really, isn't it? Oh, I mean, the best opportunity was... We've had a lot of good opportunities post-Fleetwood. Uh, post, sorry, post-Fleetwood. Post-Luton post was a good opportunity. Post Shrewsbury was quite decent. Post yeah, post Shrewsbury. I mean, Ladapa hasn't been that great for a while now. I mean, he's got his uh, brace against Bradford and his brace against Fleetwood. But other than that, has he? I don't think he scored in the other games, has he? Since October, uh, since the end of October. I uh, don't think so. No. Not that I can think of. No, it's not. No, I'm thinking for all the games. No, that it, it's yeah, those I'd... two goals in two games, and that's um, that's been it. Yeah. And then one, when you look at those, three of those are from set pieces. One hit him, another's from a few yards out. I mean, it's very good. The two against Bradford, very good movement to go on the end of them and put them in. But one open play goal in, I, th- I think, I think one open play goal since the start of November, which is quite a few games at this point. Yeah. It, I'd like to fancy Taylor could have managed that himself as well. Well, you say as that, well but Taylor often attacks thing. the front post and get flick on the. He's rarely sort of skulking in around well, and getting yeah. the finish. Ladapo is the tail. Ladapo definitely brings that to our set piece offense because I, I don't see too many people moving in and around the edge of the six yard area like Ladapo does. Like he did for the Wimbledon goal, for example. So say we do that, we rerun that Wimbledon goal again, but with Taylor in for Ladapo. Is Taylor closing in on the back post? Doubt I'm it. not so sure. But then we're probably scoring goals in different areas anyway. I was thinking the open play circumstance, but yeah, yeah that's absolutely. all fair enough. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sam, you mentioned earlier about Jeffco. Why don't you uh, run us through your thoughts on his performance? I think, yeah, he largely had quite a good game. I mean, I as somebody who had taken a reasonably 
reasonable interest in the kind of youth and reserve teams, not as much as some, some others do. I think, Nick, you, you may be watching a bit more than me, but somebody who takes a fair interest. I must admit, I know it's a bit harsh as a young player. I've never been exactly, he's never been one of the ones that stood out. Uh, but um, So I, I was a bit sceptical about him getting a chance. But he, he did well. He, he ran the channels well. He, his, his movement was good. His shape was good. He, he did create that one good chance for Kerry, didn't he? He, was, um, he didn't do, he didn't, overstretched himself. He didn't try and do anything he wasn't capable of. He kept he kept the simple passes when he had to. And yeah, generally generally gave them gave them a lot of um defending to do. I wouldn't say he had a great game, but it was a solid seven out of ten performance. Seven? Yeah, I'd say seven. So seven. Six. In the context of a player making his debut, I'd say yeah, seven, but compared to the rest of the team I'd say six. Sorry. Uh, Adam Fair enough. your thoughts? Yeah, I think I gave him a six in the ratings, didn't I? I might yeah. have to reread that. But um yeah, I, I I was encouraged more than anything else. I think it it was a player, a young player on his debut, who was clearly keen to make an impression. He, you know, it's always nice to see an academy graduate come into the first team and work his socks off for the team. I mean, we have it, it's the way we'd all play if we had the ability that these young players do, and that's nice to see. I think we had we've mentioned his volley. I mean, it's he's not too far away from opening his, his account for us in, in that spectacular style, which would have been lovely. Yeah. But I think possibly if we're looking at it and being absolutely ultra critical, perhaps a seasoned professional would have taken it down there, perhaps considered his options a bit more. I don't count that against Jeff Cordell. I think, I think he was very harsh. eager. I think he was I, right I to go there. <laughs> that's a little bit, I mean, I, that's, that's overcritical in my opinion, but go on, sorry. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. I say if I'm overanalyzing, but I mean, at the same time, I look at it, he's clearly very eager to make an impression, and that's a good thing in my book. He ran himself into the ground, tired a little bit, I think perhaps bringing him off at the hour made sense at that time. But yeah, I mean, I've been ultra-critical of him now, and I'm just holding him to the standard of perhaps one of our best players. I shouldn't be doing that yet, I agree. It's just one thing I picked up on. But, you know, it's... Uh, I keep coming back to the same watch, but it's something to be encouraged by, I think, going forward. Yeah, Jeff... Jeff Cott sort of did the things that I'd expect him to do. Um, if... if I, I wrote a piece about the, the performance of the reserves in the Checker Trade Trophy that you can find online if you search for it. But if not, then if you want to compare, I think one of the best things to do when trying to explain uh, what a youth player is like to someone who's never seen them before is obviously to compare them to a a senior pro that you know a recent senior pro. And Jeff got almost perfectly fits Jake Jervis. He's a guy who's fast. He's good at running. He's got a good cross on him. He's got a good finish on him. He could. Not not a senior level, he's not strong enough, but a youth level he can play up front, but it's not as, you know, he's better as a wide forward coming in and getting on the end of uh, chances. Um, th- that's how he scored a lot of goals for the youth team. He started out as a striker, but has migrated towards being a, um, uh, a striker playing on the wing. Um, he... You know he he's not blessed with the close control of say a Carey or a Lemiras so uh, Lemiras sorry, um so this you know this game was a good game for him because on a couple of opportunities, you know he got the ball deep and that gives him an opportunity to do which is do what he's good at which is opening his legs and just running at an opposition. You know he he's not looking to get the ball in the corner of the box, be surrounded by two or three and take them on sort of like Carey would. No, he's looking for space to run at and past players. You know he's good at running. He's got a good um. Uh, he's got a decent attacking vision on him to spot a gap, um, and it's cr- he didn't really—I can't remember if he put a cross in—but he's got a good cross on him too. Um, my, sort of my issue with uh, Jeff Cotstein was it, it was almost like it, it, his start, him starting was sort of symptomatic of 
I think Adams' approach to the first hour of this game, which was, I, I, I think I saw in his match report, he was um, discussing how Rochdale's fullbacks like to push forward and attack. And th- so Jeff Court was there because he, he, you know, he's a good, solid w- uh, player who can come back and defend. And you know that was sort of symptomatic across the pitch because when you look at our formation versus theirs, our four-two-three-one was the inverse of their four-four-three-three. Uh, so effectively, we had two centre mids uh, from Rochdale's point of view facing up against our two defensive mids, while our centre attacking mid carry was up against their defensive mid. I.e., we were man for man across the pitch, and so this helped Rochdale get more control of the ball. It was almost like Arms had picked a player to mark every opposition Rochdale player. But we're playing Rochdale. We're, you know, we're not we're not playing one of the top teams in the division and trying to mark them out of the game. We're playing Rochdale. I, I thought it was overly defensive. And you look you look at the first half, first hour back, and Argyle, like I said, Argyle didn't really create much. There, there was that flurry of chances in the first half, but they didn't really do too much other than that. And a lot of that was because we were... Oh, I think Adams was... He got the balance wrong. He was too concerned with what Rochdale could do in attack rather than, you know, taking more control of the game, taking the game to, and subsequently taking the game to them. Uh, I'd never really looked at it from that perspective, you just said. I was interested listening to that. I didn't really, I, I kind of wondered, well, you know, why is he playing Jeff Scott? Because even if Lemiraz isn't, isn't, you know, uh, isn't well, we've still got other players you could play. You could still go back to the fourth, um, four, three, two, one. You could still make, even put in Ainsworth or Wild. Um, so why is he playing Jeff Scott? But and then, but then when he when he put it like that, I suppose that's a fair, that, that's a fair reason as, as to why that could be. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's a bit funny because he he just seems to keep Adam Dean's he still he, if I can get my words out. He seems to kind of um and ah about whether he's going to play our own game or whether we're going to really counter the opposition because in games like Luton and Shrewsbury. He doesn't try and um, counter them specifically. And then suddenly when we were getting battered, he changed the um, shape in both of those games to match them up. But in some, di- in some games, definitely from the start, and there seems to be no real rhyme or reason as to why. Yeah, I mean, looking at what, what Sam's just said, you know, it was a case with Luton and Shrewsbury that he, Adams just played his own game and expects it to go right, not taking into account the strength of the opposition. And I think that, I mean, yeah, Sam's got that spot on. If we look at, what we've and yet Rochdale did yeah overly cautious I think in the way that he set up and if we're doing that against a Luton or Shrewsbury fine I mean Shrewsbury not so sure but a Luton yes yeah well I put it if we're doing against Luton definitely fine if we're doing it away to Rochdale you know you've got the case of the argument that a point away from home is a good point, but at the same time, we showed in that last half hour we've got the ability to come away from these sorts of games with all three points if we exert ourselves well. So I think Adams and particularly the scouting team just need to have a think about when it's appropriate to play that sort of team that he did on Saturday and when it's appropriate to take a game to the opposition. And I think just on a final point as well, with Jeff Kotstein, I think it just shows how completely out of favour Wild and Ainsworth are. And... As much as I do look at some of their abilities, I do rate some of their abilities, it would be beneficial for all parties, I think, if come January they find new destinations, we say, thank you for your efforts, good luck elsewhere, and we use the budget to invest in other areas of the squad. Mm. And on that topic, uh, I'd just like to quickly advertise our transfer centre, the Argo Life Transfer Centre, is fully back in, uh, back in full swing now. I think we've had uh, rumours on there each last four or five days. 
Um, so if you want to keep up with not just the rumours, but also uh, you know how truthful they are. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, can... we're very good at checking our sources, unlike um, certain mediums. Of, um... Um, uh, if <laughs> that won't make it into That's the final cut. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, if you want to know everything that's going on, or you know as much as we do anyway, please visit the transfer center. I promise you, there's lots of good stuff on there. Um, right, let's move on. Quiz round. Would have been Tom. Oh, well, I Tom's wonder who here. it could be. <laughs> cool. Would have been Tom. Tom's not here. Adam's there. on twice, which means it can only be one person. <laughs> it is Sam Dan. Sam, what would you like? You've already done season, so that means it's player or opposition. I think I'm going to go for opposition, Nick. Right, your opposition this week, Portsmouth. Okay. Okay. Ten questions, maximum of 11 points. Are you ready, Sam? I am ready. Cue the music. In head-to-heads, who has won more matches? Uh, 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 Argyle. Incorrect. Argyle were the only side to score against Portsmouth as they won the 2008 FA Cup. Who was the scorer? Chris Clark. Correct. The next meeting between the sides was also a cup game. Who opened the scoring in that match? Johnny Gorman. Correct. Bonus point question. As a League 2 team, three players have scored three goals in back-to-back games against Portsmouth. The most recent was Jamil Matt. Name the other two. Uh, Louis Alessandra and... Uh, not... Uh, Quickly, now. Greg uh, uh, Wilde. Incorrect. Conor and Gre- uh, Ruben Reed. In league matches this decade, what has been the most common scoreline between the two sides? 2-1. Correct. Connor Smith equalised against Portsmouth late on in 2016. Who assisted that goal? Ben Perrington. Correct. Argyle and Portsmouth drew 0-0 last season. To the nearest 10, how many years had it been since the previous 0-0 draw? 40. Correct. Who was the last Plymouth Argyle player to score against Portsmouth? That That would be Jake Jervis. Correct. Argonne and Portsmouth met four times during the 2015-16 season. What was the aggregate score over the matches? Quickly. Uh, 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 6-5 to Portsmouth. Incorrect, 6-5 to Argyle. But I'll keep. I'll let you have 6-5. Oh, okay, um, alright. In which season did Ryan Taylor score for Portsmouth oh. against Argyle? Would that be 13-14? Incorrect, 14-15. Nah. So you've got one, two... Surprised you didn't get... Well, did you get the bonus point question, Adam? I had Ruben Reed. I probably wouldn't have had Hurahan, so... Yeah. That was that question, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So Hurahan scored in the both in both of the games in 13-14. Ruben Reed scored in the final game of 13-14, and then twice in the first game of 14-15. Uh, I forgot we got the other goal in that um, 3-3. I obviously knew Hurahan yeah. got two. I forgot we got the other one. Ah, well. Not, what did I get? Seven, eight? You got six out of 11, Sam. Oh, that's not great, is it? No, could no be, could you missed better. that. Ryan Taylor was 14 15. He got an assist oh, in yeah. the 13 14 game. That was a Danny Holland's hat trick. Of course. Um, uh, yeah, Hurrahan and Reed were those two. And yeah, Portsmouth have won more head heads. Okay, hey, uh, cool. Yeah. Right, yeah. so let's go for predictions. Accrington this week at home. It's Adam first. Tight game. 1-0 Argyle. Sam? I think we're getting pretty good at chance creation at home. That's got a lot better Accrington there. Their current form is dreadful. They're dropping like a stone. Um, I'm confident. I'll go 2-0 Argyle. I mean, it's so hard to predict because last season we could make a guess knowing what Argyle would, you know, 
what Argyle side would come out. And now it's like musical chairs. So assume Ladapo starts. I think he probably scores in this game. Kind of game I think he would score in. 2-1 Argyle, I think. Okay, that's our show. Thank you all so much for listening. We all really hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, ideas or suggestions, please do get in touch. We want to make this podcast as good as we can. Don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher. Just search for Argar Life or Green and White and you should be able to find us. Thank you all very much for listening and good night! Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.